Good morning. We're starting a new, I'll ask, uh, <laughs> see a lot of kids. Uh, we'll ask Rob and Helen to come forward right now. We're starting a new series, um, well, a new excerpt or a spot in our services where we're going to have couples come along and bring to us some lessons from marriage, but they've only got three minutes, so it's quite tight. And so we're going to hold them to that. So we've got Rob and Helen to start off today. And um, so it doesn't have to be, it could be one lesson or three lessons or whatever they've learned. And so uh, they'll explain to you now. So we're going to run this through September and it might go longer depending on its success or not. No, no, just joking. Of course it'll be a success. Of course, uh, yeah, God's, God's been in it. So thanks very much, guys. Who's speaking? Thank you. Sorry, we'll try three minutes. Okay. Um, yeah, so just a little bit of background. We've been married for nearly 38 years, which has just flown. Um, it hasn't always been an easy marriage in our early years. Um, Rob being a GP, working 12 to 14 hour days, on call weekends and me home with three little kids. Um, yeah, it was a fairly stressful time. But... Um, it's only through our mutual communication, our commitment, our love and support of each other that has kept us going and having God as our centre. Thanks. That reminds me of, um, I wasn't going to say this, but I'll add it in. I remember coming home from work some evenings and opening the door and think, I think I'll just sneak out and go back to work. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, so one of the less big lessons I learnt was that because of my selfishness and self-interest, my default level wasn't care and support it wasn't that that high but very quickly God showed me that um, the fruit of the spirit is relational and it's about care and support and those things it's kindness compassion gentleness patience self-control and the beautiful thing was that I didn't have to make it happen it was fruit it just God made it happen it was about growth his growth his transformation and just being available for that and things started to change. I remember I, I had a real problem with anger. Um, I didn't get angry very often, but if I did, um, I, Helen and the kids got in the way a little bit sometimes, sadly. Um, but God showed me one day, just in a moment, that my problem wasn't anger, that was a symptom, it was resentment. And in a moment, he just got rid of heaps of it when he showed me that it was resentment. And I love that he did that. And I think part of that too, intertwined with that, I realised over time that it's really important to have fun Laughter and adventure together. I've shared before that um, statistics show that kids laugh about 300 times a day. Adults laugh about 20. I think something's gone wrong. Um, so we know each other's strengths and weaknesses and then can build each other up. At our last home group, we've been looking at creation and Adam and Eve. Um, and they likened their relationship to two planks resting together like a little pyramid. Um, so it's held in tension, but they are supporting each other. So if one stops supporting the other, they both fall down. So sometimes one plank has more stress and pressure on it than the other, and we need to support that plank more strongly. So we stand together in our marriage because we love and support each other, and, yeah, we're still a work in progress, though. <laughs> So I've often thought life has so many tensions and, and when we learnt that about the two planks I thought it was quite beautiful that tension was actually important and, and an integral part of, of life together. Um, we, we're incomplete without each other um, but of course tension can lead to problems as well and I think instead of complementing each other 
um, and, and working together, at times I, I could be quite competitive and even in our relationship I tended to do that at times. And, and I learnt, one of the other lessons I learnt was when, I, when I'm annoyed, I can snap, like I guess most of us, why did you do that? Um, God addressed a few issues, but I can't tell you that in three minutes. But, um, but I've learnt um, as well that I need to stop to think. And as somebody put it, when I was talking to somebody at work one day, they said, um, that was a bit harsh. Um, this one of the doctors said to her husband, he said, oh, that's the edited version. You don't know, want to know the unedited version. And I thought, yes, yeah, sometimes we need to stop, reflect and edit and then speak. And the third one that I've learnt, a really important thing is, Love in relationship doesn't need to be tested. It needs to be nurtured. And again, that's not necessarily my default position. I really need God's help. So the question really is not, how much does Helen love me? I don't think God's ever going to say, Rob, did Helen love you enough? But the question is, am I willing to love and give myself to her? Wonderful. We're just uh, we're feeling that in this whole COVID thing, and especially the uh, months of isolation, that sometimes marriages get a little bit uh, pressure. And we thought, hey, it'd be great to have people who've been married 38 years just to share a few things over the next few few months. Not everyone has to be married that long before they share something, uh, or longer. But obviously. Uh, God's been doing something in us of uh, supernatural, being a supernatural church, and some real breakthroughs in people last week. So, Lance, if you'd come, let's uh, let's open our heart to the Holy Spirit. It's truth that sets us free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But it's the truth that we know. So, Lord, we just thank you this morning. Thank you for what you begun last week, what you've been doing over the last few months and just being supernatural, bringing us into truth. Lord, we don't want to just hear truth, we want to respond to it. We want to know it so that freedom comes. Thank you for the truth that Lance shared last week, what he's sharing today. Lord, again, pray your anointing uh, on him. Thank you that he is anointed, that he's uh, prepared and heard you. But we just pray for that spontaneity of the Holy Spirit, even as we go along. Lord, that we open our hearts to you. Because even when we don't see what you're doing, you're doing good stuff. And we, we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Part two. Who said Mr. Bergman? <laughs> Part two uh, of the deliverance message. And uh, last week um, I preached on how you are responsible. This week it's the words of others affecting you. Um, and you might find it uh, quite interesting. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> it's Father's Day today, so happy Father's Day to the fathers. And, and my prayer is, and it has been this morning, that Jesus would glorify his father on this day. So it was months ago Russ asked me to speak on deliverance and the date got changed several times and here I am speaking on this subject on this day and I'm addressing some fathers in the house. So God knows, God knows, the Holy Spirit just goes before us which is just beautiful. Going to start out with a definition, for those that were here this morning you already know the answer now, syncretism, 
What is syncretism? Syncretism is a combination of different forms of belief or practice, for example, Christianity and paganism. So it's a mixture, um, and we're going to um, explore that in some detail. We heard last week that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of this age, spiritual wickedness. And we also heard last week that the truth you know only sets you free if you apply it. You've got to apply the truth. The devil knows every word in the Bible. He knows the truth, but he just chooses to do the opposite. So it's the truth you know that sets you free. So hopefully today there'll be some truths um, that will help set you free. And Proverbs 18 is the scripture for today. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. One of my favourite scriptures. I've used it many, many times. The devil reads this verse and he thinks, okay, I need to get people to speak death. Because he's seeing it from the dark side. He's seeing how to get you into sin. Whereas we, we see this, this verse, as, hang on a minute, I need to repent of what I just said. They weren't words of life. And I need to change what I'm saying and how I'm expressing myself and speak words of life. Like, like the testimony we just had from Rob. Just edit what you're going to say and, and say it in a different way. The devil gets us into all sorts of things like uh, vows and curses and criticism and gossip and hate. All those sorts of things are out of his kingdom. And God's word spoken in context is the most powerful weapon on earth that we have access to. And when the devil reads the Bible, he reads it from the dark side. He's looking for ways to get you into sin, to separate you from God, out of the kingdom of light into the kingdom of darkness. Satan promises worldly success and ungodly power, but he also exacts a price, and that price is death in sin. He's trying to get you to die in your sin, unredeemed sin, unrepentant sin, because he's trying to get you to go where he's going. He wants to get you into hell with him. 1 Corinthians 10.21 you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. That is the biblical definition of syncretism. You can't take the cup of the Lord and have that as part of your life and the cup of devils have that part of your life. You can't stand on this pathway we talked about last week with your feet either side. So half of you is in the darkness and half of you is in light and, and that be your journey. We all make mistakes and cross over into darkness and then when we recognize that we repent and we come back into the light but our journey with our best of intentions is to walk in God's light and in God's truth but unfortunately there's some systems around that have combined the two, the, the two together uh, and and people are literally walking with a, with a foot in each camp I want to call my uh, wonderful wife up and I'm going to get her to share something some time back, around about 2000, um, we went on a Christian camp down the river, staying in a caravan there, which was just great. And we met this couple and they started talking about Freemasonry. Now, we didn't know anything about that. We, we come out of a church that you didn't even mention demons. You know, they, they, they weren't even, they didn't exist. There was no demonic spiritual realm that didn't exist. And... I was intrigued. I thought it was a Fruit Loop. I was intrigued. Well, Christine just thought it was a Fruit Loop, full stop, and wanted nothing to do with it. So I want to invite Christine up um, because he gave us a book 
to read on Freemasonry. And I'll let Christine share her part of the story. Thank you. Um, yeah, I thought he was a Fruit Loop, all right. Because <laughs> um, he was talking about all these uh, different demons and spirits and how they can all um, enter you. And, you know, I was always under the belief that once you... Um, were baptised and received the Holy Spirit, you know, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that you'd had no demons. So we weren't allowed to even, like, talk about them because we didn't want to give the devil credence in uh, in our lives. Um, so when he was talking about all these things, I was like, get me out of here. I just wanted to run. This, you know, this is crazy. Um, but, you know, as Lance said, he he was really intrigued by what this man was saying. And so eventually I uh, was able to get him back into the caravan, but he took this jolly book called um, The Curses of the Freemasonries and um, he wanted to read it. And I said, all right, well, you can read it. You sit at the kitchen table and read it. I'm going to bed. And um, so I went off to bed and I was fine. You know, I, I wasn't sick or anything like that. I was fine. And I was just sort of laying there. I was a little bit cross because he was reading this stupid stuff. Um, but, you know, um, he wanted to do so. That's fine. Anyway, next minute, I started choking. And I couldn't breathe. And I was coughing. And the, the words that came out of my mouth, I don't know where they came. Well, I do. It was the Holy Spirit, obviously. But for somebody that didn't believe any of that, ridiculous stuff I said my goodness what are you reading because the Holy Spirit must have put in me that there was something going on there and I I just thought well yeah what, what did I say there but anyway Lance came over and he said I'm just reading the first curse in in you know what they what they speak over their own lives in um in the Freemasonry and it was that they will put a noose around your neck and um, and choke you if you reveal the secrets of the Freemasonry. So that was enough evidence for me, you know, like that's bizarre. And they're the sort of things this guy was talking about that I thought were bizarre. But it actually happened to me. I could not breathe. And uh, my father was a Freemasonry. So it just, you know, this stuff is real. And it can happen. And um, so, yeah, I'll just hand back to you. That's my beautiful wife, by the way. So I was actually reading, and I'm going to read out what I was reading. But um, before I do, Freemasonry, it's a big subject, and it affects people far more than they realise. It's got a religious flavour to it. It looks like a religion. But to be a Freemason, you've got to believe in the existence of a supreme being. Anyone will do. And you've got to believe in immortality, living forever. That's, that's one of the ground rules to be involved in Freemasonry. They don't mind what God you serve or what God you talk about or what God uh, you pray to. They do mind, seriously mind, if you mention the name Jesus funny about that because it's through that name you can get set free from a lot of the stuff they're involved in so the, the new person has joined the lodge he gets blindfolded to represent that he's in darkness he wears a loosely tied noose around his neck called a cable toe 
He reveals his left breast to prove that he's a man. He rolls up his left trouser leg to prove that he's got strong body. And then the guard takes the ceremonial dagger and puts it on his bare chest, ready for him to say his vows. I suggested to Russ that we consider this for added to the church. Um, <laughs> didn't go down well. And I'm going to read out exactly word for word the vow that is said. Now, before this vow is spoken, they have to study and learn stuff. And so that's all. Freemasonry is about enlightenment. As you go up through the degrees of Freemasonry, you go up to 32, 33. My father was studying for 32 when he passed away. Um, you can go up through the degrees and you seek more and more enlightenment and you've, you're given more and more secrets from the lodge. More and more things are revealed to you. And something I didn't mention this morning, that in a Freemasonry meeting, um, the, the people of the first three degrees are in the meeting with everybody else, but then they're asked to leave and they go to the supper room. And then, then they go a little bit further in the meeting and then the next group are asked to leave. So by the end of the night, it's only the very senior people in the top degrees that are left in the room and who knows what goes on. It's, that's how secretive it is. Even amongst their own members, they don't know. Um, it's, it's amazing. So let me read the Entered Apprentice degree. And I'm reading this as a quote from them, not as what I'm saying. So they bind themselves under no lesser penalty than that they are having my throat cut across, my tongue torn out by its roots, and buried in the rough sands of the sea at the low water mark, where the tide ebbs and flows twice in 24 hours. Should I ever knowingly or willingly violate this my solemn oath and obligation as an entered apprentice mason, so help me God, and keep me steadfast in the due performance of the same. That's the vow they speak, that's the beginning of Freemasonry, that's the first level first degree and the vows just get worse and worse and worse and I'll, I'll save you from those the problem is the vows that way back in my ancestry and Christine's ancestry and most likely yours as well they come down the generations see Christine was never involved in Freemasonry and yet she was struggling to breathe and felt strangled because of the words that had been spoken one about having your throat cut and the other one about having the cable toe around your neck and being led around the lodge as part of your induction ceremony, blindfolded, slipshod, as they call it. Um, it's just, it's bizarre. But it looks religious because they've got names of all the parts of the lodge, of uh, names out of the Bible. The new, the new um, inductee is led through two pillars, the same names as Solomon's Temple's pillars. So everything is very biblical and the names they use and the secret passwords, they're all out of the Bible, out of the Christian Bible. But in the lodge, they've got all the books of all the mainline religions. Books, like they've got the, the Quran, the Tanakh, the Christian Bible, the, I don't know what the Buddha books are called. All of those main books, they're all in the lodge and you can choose which one you want to use when you take your vows. They don't care. Amazing, isn't it? It looks religious, you speak to someone who's in Freemasonry. I spoke to a Christian who was in Freemasonry, just joined, and he thought it was a Christian organisation. He couldn't stop and realise, why am I saying these words? Why am I saying I'll have my throat cut if I give away any secrets of the lodge? And then at the end of it, the thing that grieves me is, so help me God. 
Well, it's not the God we serve. It's another God. And in the Freemasonry world, uh, Lucifer is the great architect in the sky. That's how they refer to him. And, and he, he is the God they serve. Freemasonry is linked to Mithraism. And they serve the God Mithra. And uh, there's a lot of um, codes and secrets come out of that. It's, it's all linked right back to that. It goes way, way, way back. Way back in history. Freemasonry has a royal secret which you don't get to know until you get to the appropriate level. I don't even know what that is. And that is that Lucifer is the god of Freemasonry. And when they get to the top level, they know that. They actually use the name in their vows. But at the bottom level, and it's a progression of, of darkness, getting darker and darker and darker over 20 or 30 years. Which they call enlightenment. Which they call enlightenment. Well, see, what, I find the whole thing prophetic, that they put, you, put a blindfold over you to represent that you're living in darkness. It's actually a prophetic declaration of what's coming. They're getting further and further into their own darkness. Um, it's, it's so sad. Now, we're not opposed to Freemasons, just opposed to the system. We love the people, but not the system. I was at home one day, had a couple of friends visiting. Christine was out. Um, and we were just chatting about stuff, chatting about God stuff, as we always did. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just speaks to me and says, you were brought up in a culture of Freemasonry. And it just stopped me in my tracks, and I just looked at the floor, and my friends could see something was going on. And I'm processing what I've just heard. And what the Holy Spirit was telling me was that my father had raised our family in a culture of Freemasonry. And in a culture of Freemasonry, it's the man, the woman, and the children in legalistic fashion. Very, very legalistic and very controlling. And as soon as I got that revelation, and I shared it with my friends, and they both went, wow. And I said, well, I know how to deal with this. You know, I need to, I need to renounce this. And I also need to repent of coming into agreement with it. And so that's what I did. And uh, in Jesus' name... And I was instantly set free of a religious spirit. That very second, and I know that because I picked up the Bible and it was a different book. It read differently. I can't explain it. Freemasonry had made me um, arrogant, um, always seeking for, for perfection. But when Jesus set me free, this didn't happen this morning. <laughs> I was transformed, transformed into the person that God had wanted me to be. And Christine came home and with a big smile on my face, I went up to her and I shook her hand. I said, hi, I'm your new husband. She didn't believe me. She needed to see the fruit, which is always wise. Let's talk about another subject, witchcraft. So we're talking about words that can impact you, the words that other people have spoken Deuteronomy 18, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone whose son or daughter pass through the fire, that's child sacrifice, or one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead, necromancer. 
For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Now that's all encompassing of witchcraft. Absolutely. Witchcraft and Satanism. That's back in the front end of the book. So let's read read, um, in Leviticus 17 as well. Whatever man of the children of Israel or the strangers who dwell among you, who hunts and catches any animal or bird that may be eaten, he shall pour out its blood and cover it with dust. For it is the life of all flesh. Its blood sustains its life. Therefore, I said to the children of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh is in the blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. Let's jump into the our portion of the book, in inverted commas, Acts 15:29, that you abstain from meats offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from fornication, from which if you keep yourselves, you shall do well, fare ye well. Now that was in response to the fact that so many Gentiles were coming into the kingdom. The Jews thought it was for the Jews. They had, they had a bit of a, a cognitive dissonance problem they had to deal with. That, Hang on, the Gentiles are, are believing in Christ. And the Gentiles are doing the things that we're doing in Jesus' name. So they had a bit of a, a meeting in Jerusalem and it was about how much of the law do they have to keep? And they came back with this answer. Just don't eat meats offered to idols. Don't eat or drink blood or anything strangled and don't fornicate. And if you do that, you will do well. And that sums up a fair chunk of the New Testament, really, just in that one sentence. Witchcraft is all about blood. I'm talking about full-on witchcraft. Witches who choose to be witches, who know they're serving the devil. It's all about blood. It's all about sacrifices. They dance around fires um, with no clothes on and do all sorts of... They do. do all, I'm talking about in this city, not just anywhere in the world. They do it in this city. Um, I know a couple of the places where they do it. Uh, and they speak curses over us by name. They love to collect names of Christians, especially church leaders, as Steve was mentioning to me earlier, especially church leaders. There was one organisation that was having all sorts of troubles until they realised they had a Freemason at the top and they were just existing under curses. So God is in the business of setting us free. We don't don't even know we're captive. Mary didn't even know, and nor did anybody else, know that there was an issue that she had a spiritual issue, but through a simple prayer of repentance, and, and I love what Mary said the other day, I didn't pray it with any faith. She just spoke the words out and, and God set her free. And, and that's my invitation to you all. When we get around to praying the prayer at the end, say it. Say it because you just don't know 10 generations ago what your grandfather was up to. You don't know. I know my father was a Freemason. He asked me to join the lodge. Christine knows that she's got Freemasonry in her family, so it was, it was simple for us. But I'd be very surprised if there's anybody in this room who somewhere back in history hasn't got Freemasonry in their family line. Freemasons, unfortunately, are involved in positions of influence. They're involved in uh, politics. Uh, they're involved in judges, lawyers. Uh, my father was a principal. Any position of authority, they always migrate into these positions with favour from other Freemasons, of course. And it's all for demonic reasons. It's sad. It's all for demonic reasons. It's time we got some Christians, lawyers, we got some Christian judges, got some Christian um, principals and Christian politicians, more Christian politicians. 
So witchcraft is real and curses are real. And I'll give you a testimony of a lady. She rang me many years ago. Um, this lady was from Africa. Lovely lady. Three little children. And she rang and said, we are all so sick. We're so sick. Can you come over and pray? I said, sure, I'll come over and pray. So I jump in the car and immediately I'm saying, okay, Holy Spirit, what's going on? What, what's going on? They've all simultaneously got sick. Normally you catch something and a few days later you catch something, but not there. They all got sick at the same time. And uh, the Holy Spirit clearly said to me, they've received a gift. That's it. That's all I knew. So I turn up, knock on the door. She opens the door. And before I step in the house, I said, what gift have you received? She said, how did you know? She just received a gift from the islands out in the Pacific, from someone who had been out there. Maybe they were doing a cruise. I'm not quite sure what happened. One of the, there's two items. One of them was this long, had a round glass ball on the end of it and had some stones or beads or something inside that made a noise. And it was all woven with cane down into a nice handle. And it's one of those things that the witch doctors curse people with. So that was the first thing. So I said, that's got to go. So that went out the house into the wheelie bin. And the second thing, and there was a thing that um, caught my attention, was on the mantelpiece, uh, and it was a little carved figure that she'd been given. And when my eyes first saw it, the spirit inside me grieved like you wouldn't believe. I thought, whoa, this is, this is a real, there's something really demonic about that. Now, I'm not saying there's a demonic spirit in that thing. I'm saying there's a demonic spirit came with that thing. And so uh, that little token, I had to throw him in the fire, and I forgot to mention this morning, there was an audible scream. An audible scream. And I threw this thing in the fire, closed the door on the wood heater, and you could hear an audible scream from out of the fire. Make of that what you will. That, that's what happened. And so then I just prayed, cast the spirits out of the house, cut off the curses, and then prayed for healing, and they all instantly healed as quickly as they got sick. Jesus set them free. And it was from a curse from some witch or witch doctor or whatever over in the Pacific Island who don't even know these people and the demon had come with the gift and then had manifested itself in the house causing them all to get sick. That's, that's how dangerous witchcraft can be. And we're not afraid of witchcraft because we've got authority in the name of Jesus. And it says in Proverbs 26 verse 2, like a flitting sparrow like a flying swallow, a curse without a cause shall not alight. In other words, if you don't have any spiritual reasons for a curse to land on you, it's not going to land on you, even though it be spoken against you. I know, I know that the witches know my name personally. I know. I've been told that by a witch. And they know Christine, and I'm sure they know a lot of you as well. And they are cursing us constantly, constantly, constantly. They can't hurt us unless... There's some spiritual access into our life through sin. And then there's an issue. That's why repentance is such a good thing. If you know you've done something wrong, just repent straight away. Don't just, I, I like the expression, just keep a short account with God. If he shows you something, just deal with it. Yeah. If you're in the car, he shows you something, just deal with it. You can deal with it while you're driving. Just deal with it. Don't let anything that the Holy Spirit is, is revealing to you, don't let it uh, stay. So now I want to go on to um, another topic. And this is Matthew 17. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic 
and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falls into the fire and often into the water. That sounds a bit like an epileptic fit or something. I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. And then came the disciples to Jesus depart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. However, or howbeit, this kind goes not out but by prayer and fasting. What Jesus didn't say was, Increase your prayer. He said, by prayer and fasting. And I'm going to, I'm going to touch on fasting because fasting is linked uh, to the deliverance ministry because, as Jesus said, there are certain spirits that just don't, won't leave. Unless you come to them, howbeit this kind goes not out by, by prayer and fasting. And I believe the reason for that is there's a, there's a hierarchy in the spiritual realm. Just like there's a hierarchy in God's angels, there's archangels and angels, there's a hierarchy so there are some spirits that are, and I don't fully understand this, that have a hierarchy to themselves and they don't just need the name of Jesus, they need you to come from a, from a position of where you've been fasting and I like to say a fasted lifestyle because you never know when you're going to need to use the authority of Jesus. Because If you start dealing with principalities, which is what we're talking about here, Freemasonry, that's, we're getting into principalities now, a global one. When you start dealing with things like that, you need to come in the full authority that God has given us out of his word. And that is the name of Jesus with prayer and fasting. Nothing can possibly withstand against that. And so to give you some, um, some examples, very, very quickly, Esther, we know the story of Esther, well, most of us do. Uh, she declared a fast for three days and three nights. No food, no water. Nothing, not a drop of anything. That's not an easy fast, by the way. If you've ever done one, that, that's tough. Um, David, I humbled myself with fasting. Daniel, he fasted. I want to just say something here I didn't say this morning. I hear the term the Daniel fast. Don't like it. I'll tell you why I don't like it. Daniel went on a diet. Because he refused to eat meat offered to idols. They just feed me vegetables. So if you want to just consume vegetables and not meat as a sacrifice to God, that's awesome. But it's not a fast. Fast is going without food. In the Hebrew and the Greek, it's going without food. So if you're going to fast, you're going to go without food. If you're going to do something like, I'm not going to watch TV for the month and I'm going to spend my time praying, fantastic. That is honourable. But that is a sacrifice that you're making. Don't say, I'm fasting the TV. You don't eat TVs. <laughs> Some of the stuff that's on the TV is a bit hard to digest. <laughs> fasting was an expected discipline in the Old and the New Testament. Fasting is a biblical way to truly humble yourself in the sight of God. It enables the Holy Spirit to reveal your true spiritual condition, resulting in brokenness, repentance, and a transformed life. That's interesting. So if you're going to go into a season of fasting, be prepared for God to put his finger on some stuff in here. Some attitudes, things that you need to change. Maybe it's, maybe it's anger. 
Maybe it's impatience. So when you're fast, you're, you're literally keeping your body under subjection because when you're fast, you want to eat. Let's, let's be real. You know, you do a day or two fasting, I'm telling you, you get hungry. But you, you've made a decision. So let's say you make a decision, I'm going to fast for three days. I've got a particular thing I want to fast about. And so you don't eat any food for three days. You are going to be fighting hunger pains, keeping your flesh under subjection. But what happens, this has been my experience, you become far more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Far more sensitive to the Holy Spirit in, in ways that I can't even describe. So fasting um, is Old Testament and New Testament. And fasting is very important um, in the deliverance area um, because some spirits, they won't go. But if you've fasted, they will. Matthew 6, Jesus said, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fast, anoint thy head and wash thy face. Thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which, is, which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. So what he's saying, part of what he's saying, is when you fast, that's between you and God. You don't have to put it on Facebook. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be off Facebook for three days, I'm going to be fasting. It's between you and God. Don't, don't exalt yourself like it's some great thing that, that you know how to fast. You stay humble and you just do it in secret. And God knows what you're doing. It's like giving. You don't put on Facebook, oh, I just gave $1,000 to some mission. You, you, you do it all in secret. But the world does the opposite. They like to exalt themselves and promote themselves. We, we're here to promote Jesus, not ourselves. But the thing I find interesting in here, because the, the second version of the preaching is always different to the first, it says, when you fast. So it's not an option if you fast. Jesus is saying when you fast. Fasting is part of Christian's life. It might not be an enjoyable part, but it's a very important part in Lance's opinion. Give you some examples out of the Bible where people have uh, fasted, good examples. Jesus fasted for 40 days before he began his ministry. Paul and Barnabas fasted for God's wisdom before they chose elders. Nehemiah, whose real name is Nehemiah, if you know how to speak Hebrew. Um, I know that because I've got a contact whose name is Nehemiah. <laughs> so he, he taught us how to pronounce his name. Nehemiah, um, he fasted in grief when he found out that the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down. He went into absolute grief and he just fasted. Deliverance and protection in Ezra, when they walked 900 miles from Babylon back to Jerusalem, they prayed and fasted to have protection and deliverance on their journey back. And Jonah, when he delivered the word to Nineveh, to the king, the king called a fast and they went into repentance. So fasting uh, combined with repentance is a powerful thing as well. And I want to come back to that. Uh, and also to gain victory. Israel was in a battle. They'd lost 40,000 men in two days. So they stopped fighting and started fasting for the rest of the day. And the next day they won the battle. So they were after a victory. So if you're after a victory, fasting helps. I'm not telling anybody to fast. I'm just giving you some biblical truths. This, um, with Jonah, Jonah delivered judgment 
uh, to Nineveh, and the king called a fast. The last weekend of this month, there's a national fast that's been called in Australia for repentance. It's been 10 years in the planning, getting all the parties to cooperate. Um, so I would like to recommend that you consider being part of that because they're asking for God to move on this nation. They're repenting of the mess we've made of it. Um, it's, it's being led by some Aboriginal people. So we've got right across the cultures um, and mainline churches and that are all involved. It's, it's quite profound and it won't be hard to find on the net. Um, and it's going to be uh, Zoom for 12 hours on both days. So you can actually get on your Zoom, log in and be part of what's going on. I really, really recommend that um, anyone that's got some time will do that uh, because we desperately need God to bring victory to this nation, set us free from a lot of things. So what I want to cover now is I want to do what we did last week for those that were here. I want to lead you through, you can't repent of what your grandfather did, but you sure can renounce it in Jesus' name. So that's what I want to do. I want to lead you through a prayer of renunciation for the things that other people have done, other people have spoken over your life that you're not even aware of. You might, even, you might know some of the things, but most of the things we're dealing with here you don't know about. And it's, it's the same, as what, same format as last week. It will go through the renunciation um, and then at the end, uh, you, on behalf of yourself and your family, in the name of Jesus, will command any demonic spirits to leave that have been impacting right. your family. Right. Back to where you started. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Correct. That's why we're saying it. That's why we're speaking it. Yes, correct. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So where death has been spoken in the past, we are going to speak life. And we're going to cut off the words of death. Thanks, Russ. Cut off the words of death and speak life. Now, you might think this doesn't apply to me. You may or may not be right. My encouragement is that you say the words anyway, as Mary found out. She was quite confident that she didn't have any issues whatsoever to deal with of a spiritual nature, and yet she got set free straight away. And the Holy Spirit graciously told her what it was. So don't just say the words. Say the words expecting God to set you free if there's anything in your life um, that has been affecting you from the past. This is about equipping the saints because the, the deliverance uh, we've been teaching, any one of you who is a born-again believer in the name of Jesus Christ, can cast out a demon. You just, most people don't, don't realise that they can do that. It's part, of our, it's part of our ministry. We're all able ministers. So I'm going to lead you now in this uh, prayer of um, renunciation. And I ask you to audibly uh, repeat this out loud. With an expectation of God moving. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And I renounce and reject any and all ungodly agreements that my ancestors made with Satan and his demons. I renounce all idol worship and worship of false deities by any of my ancestors. In Jesus, Christ's name, in Jesus Christ's name, I reject, renounce, and cut off, reject, renounce, and cut off. any ungodly consequences coming down my family line, any ungodly consequences coming down my family line. 
on my mother's side and my father's side as a result of the decisions, actions and spoken words of my ancestors. I especially renounce Freemasonry vows and witchcraft curses in all forms and at all levels coming down my family line and I cancel these vows and curses and any ungodly consequences in Jesus Christ's name. So, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command all demonic spirits that have been assigned against myself and my family to leave us now. I choose to walk in righteousness, led by the Holy Spirit, in line with God's word recorded in Scripture. I declare, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We are blessed and not cursed, and we are free. All glory and honour to Jesus, the King of Kings. Amen. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you about anything, deal with it. Seriously, if something comes into your mind... Pray it. Pray it out audibly. There's power of life and death in the tongue. This, this type of prayer has to be spoken audibly to fulfill that scripture because the devil has had his people speaking death audibly. And the way you counter that is to speak audibly, but we speak God's truth. So thanks, Russ. I'll hand it back to you. Everyone, why don't we stand? As many of us saw last week, we often don't realize what's happening in the, the realm of the Spirit until we walk out of it. And then we realize, ah, that was something that was affecting me. And so, uh, thank you, Lance. Wonderful time. If, uh, if you need some prayer, there'd be some folks who'd love to pray with you. Uh, more prayer on these things. If you haven't met Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to him because that's where it all starts. That's the greatest miracle. The greatest supernatural is meeting Jesus. Otherwise, God's grace be with you. His presence, his favor. Have a wonderful rest of your day, Father's Day. And uh, let's continue to see God at work. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your presence. That, that is here, but also that goes with us. In Jesus' name, amen.